Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hey, it is Pastor Hilmer. I hope you're doing uh, so well. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we started this new series where we're focusing on the the fruit of the Spirit. And today I want to focus on the fruit of joy. And I want to begin by just asking you, would the people in your life, would they characterize you as someone who is joyful? Over the last few months, we've been been going through this, this COVID pandemic. And that's disrupted our, our routines and it's, it's changed our patterns and it's inconvenienced people in, in so many different ways. And, you know, some people have lost work and there's financial pressures and then there's teaching from home and the, and the concern, the fear about sickness. Would you say that you are someone who's handled that uh, with, with joy? It's an important question for us to think about, particularly when it comes to our, our witness for Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is, in our time together, I, I just want us to look at a few different passages and to think about what does the Bible uh, teach us about joy. And I want to begin by looking at John chapter 15. Now, uh, John 15 doesn't specifically talk about joy, but it does teach us a lot about how to cultivate and how to nurture the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're familiar with that passage, Jesus in this passage, he's talking about how he is the true vine. And about how his father is the vine dresser, the one that's pruning and and shaping the vine. And then he talks about his followers, his disciples, people like us. He talks about us as the branches. And his main point is that, you know, if you abide in him, if, if, if you rest in Jesus Christ and who he is, the natural outflow of that, the natural product, is that you will produce spiritual fruit. The same way that if you're alive, if your heart is beating, the natural result is is that you should be able to get a pulse. You'll be able to take someone's pulse. And if Jesus is our savior, if he is our greatest treasure, if he is the source of our greatest joy, then that should show in the way that we live. In fact, this is the way by demonstrating these fruits of the spirit, by demonstrating joy, that's the way that we show to other people that we sincerely are followers of Jesus. In fact, in John 15, verse 8, Jesus says this. He says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves, demonstrating yourselves, proving yourselves to be my disciples. If we are the new creation in Jesus Christ, if we've been born again by the Spirit of God, if it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, then the joy, the the unbelievable joy of knowing Jesus must be present in our lives. Now, maybe you're wondering, well, what is that joy? What's it supposed to look like? So I think it's it's helpful to have a definition of joy. I like what what Phil Reich, the president of Wheaton College, a pastor in the United States, I like what he has to say when it comes to joy. He says, joy is not so much happiness, as contentment. Joy is the ability to take good cheer from the gospel. It is not, therefore, a spontaneous response to some temporary pleasure. It does not depend on circumstances at all. 
It is based, rather, on rejoicing in one's eternal identity in Jesus Christ. And I think that's an important distinction for us to make. Joy, Christian biblical joy, is, is not so much about happiness as it is about uh, contentment and a peace regardless of our circumstances. Joy is not necessarily drawn from what you have. It's, it's not necessarily drawn from your experiences, but joy, Christian joy, is drawn from the knowledge of who you are in Jesus Christ. And so when we think about joy, that's the way in which we need to frame it. And what's interesting is that adversity and hardship and difficult circumstances, those things actually end up revealing the true source of our joy. They reveal whether we're storing up for ourselves treasures here on earth or whether our treasure is truly bound up with Jesus Christ in heaven. And so what makes Christian joy unique is that it's supernatural. It thrives and it grows even in the most unexpected circumstances. Now, some of you know that I grew up in the Fraser Valley of uh, British Columbia. And that's an area of the world that is um, just renowned for having incredibly fertile soil. It's a place where there's lots of sunshine and there's also lots of rain. And so you can grow almost anything there. So imagine if you were to go there and let's say to, to plant an apple tree or something like that, you would just expect that it would thrive and, and, and grow and, and flourish. And it wouldn't be a shock at all if it produced good fruit. But imagine if you were to go to a completely different part of the world. Let's say you're going to go off to the Sahara Desert and you're going to try and plant an apple tree there in, in the middle of sand where there's basically no rain and where there's no water for miles around. Under those kind of circumstances, you would not expect an apple tree to grow. So imagine if you did try to plant an apple tree and you came back a year later to discover that there was a tree that was, was starting to grow and thrive and flourish and produce fruit. I mean, that would be absolutely stunning. You would take your friends and you'd invite them. You'd be like, you have to check this out. Right? It was miraculous. Well, if we as Christians, if we only produce joy when things are good, when everything is going our way, when things are neatly falling into place, there's nothing really shocking about that. But when we have joy, even in the face of hardship, even in the face of adversity and sickness and disease and job loss and all these other things, when there's just a spirit of joy and peace and contentment that resonates in our lives, then the people around us, they can't help but say, hey, you've you got to meet this person. There's something supernatural. There's something unexplainable about the way that they live. When we live every day with a joy that's just bigger than our circumstances, bigger than the things that are going on in our lives, then it demonstrates to the people around us that we're drawing our joy, that the source of our joy is bigger than the circumstances. It's a way of demonstrating that the source of our joy is ultimately found in Christ. And one of the best examples that we have in the Bible of living this way is found in the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is this great evangelist. He's this missionary, this church planter. And he goes all over spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet the interesting thing is that he doesn't seem to have been the most prolific speaker. In fact, in 2 Corinthians in particular, you, you get the sense that 
for Paul, there, were, there was some sort of struggle that was related to his speech. Some scholars speculate that the thorn in the flesh that Paul describes, that that thorn in the flesh was actually that he, that he stuttered. They had a bit of a, a speech impediment. And yet somehow Paul just drew people to himself. There was something about the message that he gave and the way in which he presented it that just attracted to people. And I would argue that the, the, the most dynamic characteristic that the Apostle Paul displayed was that of Christian joy. Regardless of all the, the beatings that he took and the public floggings and the imprisonment, um, regardless of the multiple shipwrecks and all the hardship that he faced, the one thing that stood out about the Apostle Paul was that he was a man of joy, of unbelievable, unexplainable joy. And when you have that joy of knowing Jesus Christ, then you want others to share in that joy. Then you want others to experience what you have. And you see that as well in the Apostle Paul, particularly in his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul's joy in Jesus Christ, it only grew from seeing other people grow in Jesus Christ. And that's the thing about Christian joy. It's contagious. Now, maybe you have to admit, you know, you're listening today and you're saying, well, I, I struggle to be a person of joy. And maybe you have to admit that you haven't handled, you know, everything over the last few months. You haven't handled it with joy. Maybe it's, maybe it's even deeper. Maybe you need to admit that deep down inside, you're just not a joyful person and people wouldn't characterize you as a joyful person. And I think sometimes our temptation is to say, well, if I would just read my Bible more, if I just pray more, if I just listen to more sermons, if I just listen to more podcasts, then I will be a joyful person. I want to remind you of what Jesus teaches in John 15. Those are all good things. But if we want to be people of joy, if we want to be people who produce the fruit of the Spirit, it is ultimately done by abiding and resting in Jesus Christ. It's ultimately done by truly surrendering ourselves completely to Jesus Christ, recognizing that all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our shame is completely washed away in Him, that He has conquered death, and that we have nothing ever to be afraid of. And this is exactly what Jesus teaches his disciples a little bit later in John 16. When he's about to go to the cross and he's going to die and he knows that they're going to have fear about what's going to happen next and, and, and they don't yet understand that he's going to be victorious over death and over sin and over Satan. But he tells them this. He says, John 16, 22, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And so I want to leave you today just with the prayer that we read at the end of Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.